Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 faith community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. Over the years, there have been many things that I have wanted to quit, and you probably have too. You probably have your list of things that you either did quit or you really, really wanted to or that you wish you had quit. Um, A lot of times we have that with relationships, right? When we're dating someone, we quit on the relationship, right? I mean, if you think about it, everybody you've ever dated, it ends one of two ways. You stay with them forever and you're like now married, or you quit, right? I mean, those are the options, and, and, and that's, I'm not saying that with a bunch of judgment, like it's a terrible thing. Like, it's okay. We call it breaking up or whatever. But at one point, one or the other of you, you or maybe you both decide, yeah, this just isn't working for me, and I, and I quit. I'm done with this thing. Um, I, I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you, maybe even over the past year, have decided to quit on a family member? Uh, let me ask it a different way. How many of you have unfriended your family member on social media because they're a little bit extra? Right? And then you see them, inevitably, you'll see them in real life or whatever, maybe at a holiday or something, and they're like, oh, did you see that thing I posted last week? And you're like, no, well, I guess I missed it, you know, like, because you, you, you quit on them on social media, but you didn't have the heart to have the conversation with them of, here's why I quit on you, uh, because I'm, I'm over your extraness, right? Like, we've ex- all experienced that. We've had those areas in those relationships where we want to quit. And it's not just relationships. It's a lot of things. We've, we've wanted to quit on our degree program or in school. We've wanted to quit on a job and say, I'm, I'm done with this. We've wanted to quit on a career trajectory and say, like, I need to jump past and do this other thing. We've wanted to quit on a, on a diet, on a, on a financial plan. Like, we've all ex- experienced that. We've reached this point where we get to this line and we're done. Here's my question. Have you ever wanted to quit on a place? On a, on, a, on a geographical location? Have you ever said, I'm over it here? Not just over it, but I'm over this particular uh, place. Um, I, I think over the years that I, I have maybe experienced some of those quit feelings around, around living here in the city. I live two blocks away from here, and so um, wanting to quit on Richmond, I, I think I have felt that in the 15 years that we've lived here. And um, because inevitably you run into the things that people run into when, whenever people live together in close proximity. You run into the challenges around taxes. They're, just, they're too high, you know, or, or crime is a, an issue, or you, like the school systems. Any, any parent that lives in the city has to figure that out of like how do you navigate the school systems. And so you want to quit on the city. In fact, a couple weeks ago I got an email from a, a, a friend who's part of the church here who said, Chris, I'm not going to come to the church anymore. Uh, we're, we're done. And the reason is, is we don't live in the city, but um, we're sick of the city. This past year, I've been disgusted at what I've seen in the city of Richmond, just really fed up with it, really frustrated. Um, and so I'm not going to be part of the church in the city anymore um, because we don't even like to visit the city. We don't even go there anymore if we can help it. And he said it with a lot of pain. He's like, this has really been a hard situation. And I, um, you know, I, I totally get that struggle. I, I get the frustration with the place. Um, I remember back in June, you know, we weren't meeting here in the bird, but our offices are still here, and I live right here. And, um, you know, walking through Carytown after um, protests and, and stuff, there's like, it was boarded up like, I mean, it was dystopian. 
down here. It was like the zombie apocalypse. All it needed was some, you know, really good-looking teenagers or something for it to be like a young adult novel down here. Like, it was real creepy weird, you know, and um, I didn't love it. And that was one of those moments where you go like, maybe I'm just going to quit this thing. Um, I'm frustrated with it that, that we're doing this to our own, our own city. Um, I've had, we've had friends over the past year quit Virginia. They're like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to move to Florida because in Florida, I don't have to wear a mask. My kids can go to school. They don't have to wear a mask. I can go to a church where you don't have to wear a mask. Like, there's all these things. Uh, Virginia's just ridiculous, and the elections are coming, and Virginia's probably going to get ridiculous, and I'm just going to move to Florida. Um, having been raised uh, most of my life in Florida, I can't imagine a scenario where I'd want to move back there, but there are people that do, and they think it's great. So I'm like, just try it for a little while, see what you think. Um, um, but I get that people eventually reach with their city, their quit line, with, with the city, with the, the, the Commonwealth or, or whatever, and they go, like, me and this place, yeah, we're growing apart. We're going to get a divorce. We're, it's not working out for us like it used to, um, and, and we're done. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about quitting on a place because um, uh, this church from day one has been in the city for the city. It has been a, a, a city-focused church uh, on the city of Richmond. We, we, we intentionally did not plant in uh, any of the suburbs around or the counties around or whatever. We wanted to be kind of here in the heart of it, and that, and that comes with some challenges and, and some uh, frustrations. We have been here from day one and wanting to see this place flourish, and I think in a lot of ways over the last 15 years, I have seen Richmond flourish. I've seen a lot of things that I could point to now that are better than maybe 15 years ago, um, but there's lots of things in ways that it's not flourishing. There's, there's also frustration. And so I want to do that. I want to look at in the Scripture, as we do at this church. We're a Bible-based church, and so we're always going into the Scripture and seeing what it has to say in its context and what that means for us today. And so I want to look in the Scripture today at a group of people, because there's precedent for this. This is a group of people who had reached their quit line with their city. They were over it. And there's advice given to them. There's a word from God to these people uh, that I think is still relevant to us today, and I think it's still valuable. So I want us to open it up together. This is from the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Um, and so this goes back thousands of years. This is back to about uh, around 500 B.C. Um, and 550, something like that. And, and, uh, and so we're going, we're going way back to, to a group of people who were exiled in a city that they did not love. Um, and I, I want to read the, the verse to you, and then I'll, I'll give you some background context to it. Jeremiah, starting with chapter 29, verse 1. We'll put it up on the screen. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet, sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, and I'll read you the letter in just a second, 
All right, a lot of names there that would have meant a lot to the people in that day. That is establishing the historicity of this. It's saying this happened in this particular time this letter was sent after this king and these leaders and these people. These are all people to the original recipients of the letter. They know who these people are. They're like, oh, okay, it came from that guy, and they brought this letter. It was from Jeremiah. Okay, we know who that is. So a letter is sent from Jeremiah, the prophet who's speaking for God, to people who are in exile, and it describes the people, the, 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 the prophets, the elders, the priests, the, 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 some of the upper class of Jerusalem were, were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, to understand that, understand that Israel is on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea, and a lot of the ancient world revolves around the Mediterranean Sea. And, and where it ends on, on that edge, on that very eastern edge, uh, that strip of land is, is a pretty popular spot because it's kind of the crossroads of a lot of things. If you look at where Israel is on a map on the edge of the sea, um, even if Israel itself is not a big deal in the ancient world, it's surrounded by a lot of big deals. To, so to the south is Egypt, and then up nor- north you have Assyria, and over the years you had Babylon and Persia, and some of the ancient empires of the world that we still study through archaeology, and we have information and tablets and stones and things about their, their architecture and all, the, all those massive cultures that are around little bitty Israel kind of in the middle. And, and the deal was that ancient kings, when they got to fighting, when they're like, we're going to go attack these people, we're going to take their land, they would inevitably work their way through Israel because it's kind of on the way to everything else. You kind of go, oh, we're going to attack Egypt through Israel. Egypt's going to come attack Assyria through Israel. Like, everyone's kind of getting a little piece of Israel, and it has water access, which is a big deal in the ancient world. So people were always attacking there. And so what happened over the course of about a thousand years, from 1400 BC till about 400 or or so, or even beyond that, um, is Israel gets taken and, and overtaken and sort of attacked and, and, and ransacked uh, over and over by kings on their way to somewhere else. And, and famously, in 586 BC, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, which is uh, 544 miles, the city of Babylon is east of Jerusalem, so east, uh, modern-day Baghdad, so Iraq, that area. The king from there comes, to, comes through Israel, ransacks Jerusalem, destroys the temple, destroys the city walls, and carries off the elite ruling class and all the, a whole bunch of people of Israel and carries them off to be slaves and exiles into Babylon. Carries them off, it leaves the farmers and some of the land and stuff, but then goes off and carries these people. So you have a whole generation of people that are now living in Babylon, and they are, um, and they are, 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 are growing up there. Um, and, it's, and it's really uh, frustrating. The exiles who are in Babylon, these Jews, they hate it there. Think about living in a foreign country when you don't know the language, you don't know the culture, you don't get their jokes, you, you feel weird amongst your neighbors. Like There's a whole bunch of things about being uh, in, in a foreign country that are charming at first, but eventually you find very annoying. And so the exiles are feeling this. They're living amongst the people that they consider to be gross, not just annoying, but repulsive, vile, sinful, wicked. I don't like their culture. I don't like their music. They eat weird things. It's almost hard to get a modern day equivalent of it. Think about, think about something you might hold dear as an American. Like, uh, marriage should be between people who have the free will choice to do so. To, to say, I love this person, I'm going to go marry them. Like, we, we kind of believe that in this country, right? So let's say you move to another country where there was mandatory, like, forced child brides at, like, age 10 or something like that. You wouldn't just think, 
oh, that's not my preference, or isn't this charming? They have child brides here. How charming is that? You would think these are monsters. What is wrong with these people? This is a little bit what it's like for the Jews to now live in Babylon. They're like, I hate it here. I hate these people. I hate everything about this place. And they want to quit on Babylon. So God says to them, verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Pause there. The exiles that I have sent. Imagine what it would be like to hear that from God. Because you're sitting there in the city that you hate, and you're going, I hate it here. This is wicked. This is terrible. God, why have you abandoned me? Why did you allow me to live in this crappy place? And God sends them a letter and says, hey, people who I sent there. And you're like, what? I thought this was a detour. I thought this was plan B. I thought, this was, I thought God cares about my, my prosperity, and I thought God loves me. And, and, and what? He, he sent me to this place on purpose? You ever feel stuck somewhere? Maybe you feel stuck in Richmond right now. You're like, I haven't been able to go anywhere in a long time. I feel stuck. Okay, maybe you feel stuck. Um, that's how these folks are feeling. And the kicker is that God sends a letter and says, no, no, you're there for a reason. You're there for uh, a, a purpose. I, I, I want you to be there. Man, that's, that's, hard. that's a hard thing to hear, wouldn't it be? So reading on, verse 5, listen to what he tells them. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. What were they told? They were told to do very regular things. Hey, while you guys are there in this place that you hate and you want to quit, here's what I want you to do. Uh, have children, and when, you're, when you have children and when they grow up, um, they should get married. Sons, daughters, wives, husbands, let's keep getting married. Um, get your house, take care of your house, plant some gardens, like take care of the, the land that you have um, and keep, keep on keeping on, keep having children and stuff and kind of the family line. Um, and, and then it ends with this, seek the welfare, the, 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 the Hebrew word shalom, the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile, because as it goes well, it'll go well for you. Now, that's, that should be obvious. Love the city that you're in. Love the place that you're in, because the better it gets, the more you pour into it, and the better it gets, it's better for you. The rising tide will raise all the boats. Like, we, we should understand that. But here's what I'm wondering as I'm reading this. How, how bad did it get that people are like, bag it, I'm not even going to have children here. How awful did they feel? How, how much did they want to quit they, that they wanted to quit on even continuing their existence? They're just like, I am so over this place. I can't even imagine having kids here. And God has to come along and actually tell them, no, no, have kids. Keep having a life here. Keep growing. I, 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 I can't even imagine the level of despair that you're in to, to, to be like, I'm not going to do this. The tiniest twinge I felt of this was when our first son, Colin, was born. 
Um, and right around the time he was born was when, as a nation, we were invading Iraq. And so there was the, do you remember, um, you could watch it on TV, there was like shock and awe campaign of like explosions and the, the night sky being lit up and all this stuff's going on. And I, and I remember thinking like, what is happening in the world? Like, this is terrible. And you think in that moment like, I'm bringing a child into this crazy world. What are we doing? Is this even a good idea? And so these, these folks want to quit, and God comes along and says, no, I, I want you to stay the course. And I need to be reminded of that when I want to quit on a place. And, and maybe you do too. Um, I did not locate my family into the city of Richmond because it's the easiest possible life for us, because it is not. Um, there are challenges to living in the city. Every, every parent that's in the city has to figure out um, and navigate educational choices and school systems. It is not the safest neighborhoods that we could possibly live in. Uh, I've had to teach my kids to be street smart and to kind of notice your surroundings because even our immediate surroundings have not always been um, great. Um, and, but we are here uh, in the city for the city. Uh, not because it's the safest, not because it's the best, but, but because it's what God has called us to be. Um, that hasn't changed. And honestly, the city can be really disappointing. Um, I've experienced that over the past year. I, you know, when there are uh, riots, and when there are protests, but then there are also riots and tear gas. And, and that's not unique to Richmond. Many cities across the globe had a pretty rough summer. Um, and... and, and and that's hard to see. But at no point did that make me or make the leadership of this church say, oh, we should just leave. This is terrible. Let's get out of here. Usually what it makes me say and believe is, this is why we're here. Because it's not great. Because things need to get better. This is what we're called to. We're called to be the people of God in a place, even if it and a time, even if we don't really like it at the time. The hard, pla- the hard places, the, the rough neighborhoods, the, 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 the places of struggle, these are the places Christians should funnel their energy and time and prayer towards. We should go these places and not, and not run away to the safest, easiest existence that we, could, that we could think of. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need, need the sick. Uh, who, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. Um, church was not called to go to the nicest places and make them nicer. It was called to show up in, amidst the bad and the broken and the bored and, and, and help those people come to know God. There's a quote uh, from day one of this church uh, that, I've, that I've used, and I want to give you the longer version of it, but it's from G.K. Chesterton, and, and Chesterton wrote in London about 100 years ago, And to give you the context of this quote, he writes about a neighborhood of London called Pimlico, which in his day was not a good place. So think rough neighborhood, Pimlico. And so he writes about how you relate to Pimlico, either you love it or hate it, and what that would mean, and what are the implications of that. And when I read this, I was like, this is so on on brand, on par, uh, uh, about what how I want to engage the city of Richmond. So listen to what he, what he says. It's a little bit long, but I think it's, it's good. He says, Let us suppose that we are confronted with the desperate thing, say Pimlico. If we think what is really best for Pimlico, we shall find the thread of thought leads to the throne of the mystic and the arbitrary. It is not enough for a man to dis- disapprove of Pimlico. 
In that case, he will merely cut his throat or move to Chelsea. Nor certainly is it enough for a man to approve of Pimlico, for then it will remain Pimlico, which would be awful. The only way out of it seems to be for somebody to love Pimlico, to love it with a transcendental tie and without any earthly reason. If there arose a man who loved Pimlico, then Pimlico would rise into ivory towers and golden pinnacles. If men love Pimlico as mothers love children, arbitrarily because it is theirs, Pimlico in a year or two might be fairer than Florence. Some readers will say that this is a mere fantasy. I answer that this is the actual history of mankind. That, as a fact, is how cities did grow great. Go back to the darkest roots of civilization, and you will find them knotted round some sacred stone or encircling some sacred well. People first paid honor to a spot and afterwards gained glory for it. Men did not love Rome because she was great. She was great because they had loved her. This is what I think about when I think about the city. If you love it and think it's perfect then you won't ever be motivated to change it. But if you think it's so bad, it's a complete disaster, then you're going to want to escape from it or cut your throat or move to Chelsea. You're going to want to get out. What it takes is for people to love it despite, love it without any reason, or earthly reason, love beyond reason is how we've articulated that over the years here, to say, I'm going to invest in a place uh, not because it's lovable, but I will love it until it becomes lovable. It's uh, a city, in, in that sense, can be like a, a dog, I guess. Like your, your family dog is not objectively the greatest dog in the history of dogs. But it is to you because it's yours. It's your dog, so you, 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 love, you love that dog. And I feel it when I walk the streets of the city. I, um, I feel that sometimes like it's a mess. Like there's trash, like there's graffiti, like... Things have been uh, vandalized or, or, or destroyed or there's things in, in, in disrepair. Um, but it's our city, and I love it anyway. And that isn't to say, you know, I haven't been to other places. Like, I've lived in some pretty great places. I live near Denver. If you like the outdoor life, Denver's a great place to live, um, and, and I really, you know, enjoyed a couple of years there. Um, I've lived in Florida, which, all right, bad example. Uh, it's, it's primarily sweaty, but it has other qualities, I, I guess. Um, I, uh, uh, apologies to friends and family watching online from Florida. It's lovely there. I, I will come visit you some point. Um, but I've lived in other places. And I've visited places. You know, I, we, as a family, we went to Belgium and went to some cities there in, in France, and there's places where I've been, and I just thought, oh, this is amazing. Now, partly amazing when you're on vacation is because you're on vacation, you know? It's like, oh, all these restaurants. <laughs> like, it's different when you live somewhere, but inevitably what I come back to whenever I go to one of the amazing places in the world, what I come back to is, oh, I live someplace pretty great too. Like, it is great. There's some really wonderful things about about this city and about this, this area. Um, and, and God calls his people to, to plant themselves and to seek the shalom, the peace of, of the place. Um, and because as it prospers, we will all prosper. And that helps me to recognize that and remember that. Remember that call to those exiles that helps to remind me of that when I reach my quit line here. Uh, when I reach my quit line on the city of Richmond, when I reach my quit line on Virginia, when, um, 
when, when the, the temptation for the church is for the mission to drift off of the city, um, it, it helps to remind me of that. I mean, churches are supposed to make disciples of everyone, follow, help all people follow Jesus. That's what we're here for. But you only have so much time. There's only so many years. There's only so much life that we can put in to, to that. And so where are you going to locate most of your time, money, and energy um, and so for us, we, we choose to do it here. We, we could go to Amelia, I suppose. Um, there's cheaper land out there. Uh, we could, I, I met with my brother-in-laws over, over Christmas, and one of them's a pastor in Indiana, and one of them's a pastor in Idaho. And uh, when we talk about, like, church property, and they start talking about the number of acres that they have and the cost of it, and then I talk about, we have half an acre in Richmond, and it costs this much. It's insane. I'm just like, oh, man, they, like, wow. Land. Apparently, they're just, like, giving away land out there. Uh, it's like, it's amazing the difference of, and so there's always that temptation, oh, I could get more if I go elsewhere. There's that temptation personally. I can buy a bigger house. I can have land. I can have whatever. There's always that temptation. And there's that temptation as a church. You go, oh, we could just, it'd be, some things would be easier if, we, if you just move out. But God calls us to a, a location. And, it, and in this digital age, it's easier than ever to, to connect to people all over. And I'm glad that we can online. But we are called to love here. The, the reason Area 10 has its, is called Area 10 is not a biblical thing. It's the, it's the real estate designation for the center of the city of Richmond. It stretches from the top of Carytown here through Church Hill. Uh, south to the river and north to 64. And that whole area on a real estate map is called Area 10. Now, that doesn't mean that every single person who goes to our church lives in that area. No, not at all. People live all over the place, and that's fine. Um, but, but, but what we've said over the years is, um, even if you don't live in the city, please love the city. Love the city, because we need to focus somewhere, and this is a hub of, of the region. Um, does that mean that we don't care about making disciples in short pump? No, we care about making disciples in short pump, and we have people who live there, and, and we want to see the, the kingdom of God flourish there, but our, our energy is going to be spent somewhere, and so primarily we spend it, when, when you're talking about investing time, money, energy, uh, and all that, we're going to spend it within, within the city limits because we think there's a lot of need there. You know, rather than spend it on the 474 square miles of Hanover County, which we, we have people that are part of our church there, and that's, that's great, but that's a massive area, uh, and there are churches there, we try to spend our energy on the 64 square miles of the city of Richmond. Again, you don't have to live here, but we do ask you to love here and, and, and to invest in this place because there's a, a, an incredible amount of, of need here. And so what I'm asking is for you to be in this thing for the long haul. Hit the pavement of these streets and invest here, even when you feel like quitting. And over the past 12 years of this church, many people have done that. They have poured out uh, resources and given of their time and served and, and loved in this place and, and really done it, done it well. And it's been awesome to see how the kingdom of God has flourishes here. But over the past year, it's been really tricky to navigate because of COVID, right? We had plans in March to do Rise Richmond, to do citywide service projects, and that was like, you know, two weeks into quarantine. It was like, well, I guess we can't do that. 
Um, and so we had to pivot pretty quickly, get our first response team together of where are the needs. And some of you gave money. Some of you got a government check back in May and said, oh, let's, let's give that money to the church and, we'll, and the church can spend it to help people in need. So we redistributed that and reallocated that to needs that we're hearing that were popping up. Um, The school system said we're not going to meet in person. And so there was all this uh, challenge in the city of how are we going to support the school systems. And I know that you've heard, because I've heard it too, on social media about how crappy Christians are, and, and you've heard, uh, you know, in America, and I can't believe religious this and all that, and I get that, and I get why people make those criticisms, but let me tell you that there's a whole bunch of churches and a whole bunch of Christians all over this region that stepped up in a big way for the public schools, and it's not in the press, it's not on social media, it's not a big thing, it is done quietly in churches all over the city. And it's been an incredible thing to see and even have just a little part of, of watching you guys step up and go into schools and, and do food distribution. Uh, we, we, we started a teacher lounge here for, for teachers who had to teach virtually this school year to be able to have a place to get away from their home and go teach uh, online, but not, not at home. Um, different churches, the kingdom of God is doing its work here in the city, and it's amazing to be a part of. Last month, y'all stepped up. Over $40,000 was given to Grace and Peace Ministries, who works in one of the toughest neighborhoods in the city. And and $40,000 was given so that they could purchase transportation to get folks around and to do do some of the things that they need to do for their ministry. No no one's going to write newspaper stories about that. It's not a publicity thing. It's not a, it's not a, um, uh, it, it, it doesn't rate as, as exciting news to put out there, but it's the things that the people of God are quietly doing in the kingdom of God. Um, and, and it's not just our church. We're, we're, we're trying to roll up our sleeves and do whatever we can, wherever we can. Um, but it is happening all over the place uh, in, in, in God's kingdom. And I think it's a, a, an incredible thing. And I think this is how the church works. And I'm asking you to join in on that. Um, to, to, like the exiles in, in Babylon, to love this place beyond reason and engage it in the long term. And it may be long term. Here's the last thing I want to read to you. Uh, Jeremiah continues on, and one of these verses you will probably know and recognize, and the other one you won't. But I want to read you the two verses that come next. He says, seek the wealth of the city which I've sent you. And then um, just cutting down like two verses in, chat, in Jeremiah 29, verse 10, it says this. For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, that's the verse that people know. I know the plans that I have for you. That's the coffee cup verse, right? That's the wonderful, I have plans to give you a future and a hope. Um, But the verse right before that God says, when 70 years are completed in Babylon, I'll come visit you and I'll fulfill my promise. Cool. I I function a lot better knowing there's an end date on things, don't you? Two weeks of quarantine that turns into months, I don't function as well in that. If you say it's two weeks and it's two weeks, cool, let's do it. You know, you say a couple more months to this, fine, let's do it. But if you're like, if you're like, Lucy pulling the, the, the football from Charlie Brown on that thing every couple, and, I'm, and I just run up there again. I'm like, ah, it's two more weeks, let's run. You know, like, uh-uh, can't do that forever. So on the one hand, it's encouraging. God goes, hey, hey, I'll give you a number. When 70 years are done, I'm going to come fix this. Cool. But wait, 70 years? Everybody who hears that's going to be dead. What? That's God's good news. Hey, hang in there, guys. I just got like, it's just going to be a real quick, tight 70 years. 
and then I'm going to fix it. Is that good news? But here's one thing about the way they thought that I, I don't think we do. We think in terms of our life. Oh, I got 70 years, I'll be, I will be dead. So it, the, the, the unspoken thing is, I will be dead, therefore it does not matter. Because I'm not going to be around for it. But they thought in terms of generations. They thought my children and my children's children and my children's children's children. They thought, they thought I'm setting my family up for 200 years, not just my, my years here on earth. And I think there's real wisdom to that. And I think great things are built when you think that way. Because if all we ever do is think about our own life, then all we will ever do is take on the projects that can be accomplished within our life. And, and you miss out on the stuff. You miss out on the, the, the stuff that needs more than that. Some, some projects, some, some things are so big that it's going to take a while to undo them. When I say a while, it's going to take longer than your life. And if all of us look at that and go, that's going to take longer than my life, therefore I won't do it, then the, the hard work will never get done. One of the things I saw this past year is it's, it's easy to rip down a monument. I thought those things were up there really solidly. Not so much. It's, it's easy-ish to rip down a monument. And it feels good. We did something. Man, I was there the day that. And, and, and history books will write about and they will show pictures of. It's great. It's easy to rip that down. But to undo the system of mass incarceration, oh, that's long and difficult. Like, this is the hard work, and it might take longer than your lifetime. And if you say, well, it's longer than my lifetime, I'm not going to do it, then the stuff will never get done. And so I want to encourage you to dial in, and dial in thinking long-term, maybe even longer than we're accustomed to thinking. Thinking of what, 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 what city are we leaving to our kids and our kids' kids and, and the generations that will come after us. Because that's where the, the really good stuff will happen. We're going to ask you... This series is going to end in two weeks, quit line, and then we're going to start a series called Rhythms, and that's going to go about seven weeks or so, and it'll take us right up before Easter, and right there on the Sunday, the last Sunday in March, we're going to ask you to join this church. We, we call it partnership. Um, we do partnership classes. Rather than do a class, we're going to do these, all these sermons and put all this together and say, hey, do you want to partner with us? And what we're asking you to do is partner with the mission that we're on here, to make disciples in this city for the city. Uh, to, to partner with that. And, and we're going to ask you to, to do it and to, and to dial in for as, as long as God will have you here to, to really dial into that. I, I think that's going to be a great thing. And I hope you will join um, this group of imperfect people who are coming together for a mission and a vision that is larger than ourselves. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the, the word you gave to the exiles and um, how it spoke to them to encourage them when they wanted to quit on the city of Babylon. God, I pray now that those words land on those who want to quit on the city of Richmond, who want to quit on Virginia, who want to quit on this space, this place, because it's disappointing, because it hasn't uh, met expectations. Um, God, we do that a lot. Um, we quit on relationships and churches and, and cities and states and, and all that. And God, um, I pray that whoever really needs to hear this, that it lodges into their heart today, and uh, they invest long-term. God, I thank you for thinking long-term about us, that when Jesus came to die for our sins, he didn't do it uh, for a couple people that happened to be near him at the time, but he, he thought 
uh, of people throughout eternity and, and, and history, and, and, and we were on his mind as well when he was on the cross. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.